today on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast. We join Evan Jones as he kicks off his six week series, The Gospel How to Share the Good News of Jesus. Today he'll be unpacking the question, Why Evangelize? I am thrilled to be able to lead this class. Um, you know, we're going to be in here for the next six weeks, so appreciate, it, you know, everybody filling out a name tag so I can at least try and, and look around, or if I'm walking around, I might be able to see your name tags. But um, I hope that this will be something that uh, will have a good bit of dialogue. Obviously, I'll be, you know, I'll be sharing a good bit. My name's Evan. Um, I've been a member here at Emmaus for about three and a half years. And uh, we started actually, my wife and I and two kids, um, around Advent of 2018. And um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I'm super thrilled. Um, I want to go over just maybe some of the logistics of things for, since we have a, a six-week program. Uh, you have an outline there on your table that lays it out. It has the dates, you know, obviously that we're meeting every Wednesday night. And, um, but for starters, you know, tonight we're just going to talk about the why, like why evangelize, why the gospel, why this class, how did, you know, how did it come about, give you a little bit of, of the background. And then uh, following that, we're going to go through night number two is we're really going to get into the what is the gospel. We'll get into uh, all the, you know, all the details, uh, really dive into the scriptures. And by all means, if you have questions, um, please, you know, let me know. I'll do my best to answer those. And um, I know Pastor Brian's going to be in here as well. So if I don't have the answer, then we will uh, we'll certainly find the answer for you. Week three, we're going to talk about how do we proclaim the gospel um, looking at uh, you know different ideas, different methods, but ultimately focusing in on what the scriptures show and, and tell us to do when it comes to the gospel. And there are some um, there are some methods, or there's some people that I will share that I personally like, or that I have watched, and and, and they teach uh, sound doctrine, and yet they go out and um, you know share the gospel all the time. So there's a lot that I think that we can each learn uh, from that. Uh, week four, five, and six are going to be a little bit different. So I think after we, we get into the why, the what, and the how, uh, we're going to start looking at some of the different religions out there so that you'll have real-world examples. Uh, week four, we'll talk about, uh, we've titled it Good News for Mormons, but that's a very large uh, religion that is uh, out there that you've no, no doubt run into at some point. And we want to talk about that, equip you for how to have those kind of conversations with people. You know, when you... When you, when you speak with somebody who's of another religion, um, you know, what are some of the maybe core beliefs that they have? What are some of the pitfalls or the, you know, the fears and that sort of thing? So we'll get into uh, Mormonism. And um, for those of you who know Rob Matola, him and his wife will actually be leading that class on week four. So they're going to share from the perspective of coming out of Mormonism. So it'll be a first person, uh, you know, I, I've not, I wasn't raised in Mormonism and I, and I haven't really... Um, studied it as deep, but they're going to share uh, on that night. And then uh, week five, uh, we call it Good News for Catholics. And that, again, will have somebody who has come out of Catholicism. And uh, Lucy Coronado, she'll be leading that night. And welcome. Come right on in. And um, yeah, Lucy, she'll be leading that night talking about, uh, you know, what do Catholics believe? What was it like to uh, be raised in, in a Catholic uh, home or environment? And then, you know, how, how do you share the gospel with somebody who is uh, a Catholic? How do, you, how do you get into that? And then uh, week six, 
We're calling this Good News for the Nuns. As I mentioned, uh, Pastor Brian would be in here. That He will actually be leading that class. And this is the group, one of the larger growing groups probably in the United States is, is what we call the nuns, people who don't have a religion. They may be atheistic, they may be agnostic, uh, but they just don't identify with one. And so he's going to talk through, you know, how, how do you share the gospel with somebody who just stands on, I, I don't believe in God or, you know, I, I don't believe in religion or anything along those lines. And I think after uh, all six of those weeks, uh, you know, my prayer, my desire is that you will feel more confident in knowing what the gospel is. You'll have a desire to share with whoever it might be, your neighbor, your, you know, your co-worker could be a family member. And uh, that is really the goal behind uh, this class. But I think before we get started, I want to just kind of stop and pray. And then uh, I have a couple questions that I'd like to ask you all so that we might be able to get a little interaction, okay? So let's pray. Father, I just, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for uh, this night. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to dive into what is the gospel, uh, to talk about, Lord, the good news uh, of how you brought salvation and how you purchased that for us. I pray, Lord, that tonight that uh, the words that I speak, they would, they would be edifying, Lord, that they would stay true to uh, the scriptures. And I pray, Lord, that over the next six weeks that you would bring change in all of our lives, Lord. You'll, you'll cause us to dive deeper into your word, to examine our hearts, uh, maybe areas where we're callous, maybe areas where we're, we're living in fear, I pray that you would, um, you would work, Lord. You'd work in, in this environment, in this class, uh, for your glory. Uh, and we thank you, Father. Thank you for that your spirit is with us. In Jesus' name, amen. As with anything um, new, there's always uh, challenges. Sometimes there's fears, apprehensions. But specifically with the gospel, uh, one thing that I have learned is that we are in a spiritual battle. So you're, it's, a, it's a little bit heightened. It's not that you're just, oh, well, I'm not sure how to do this. There is a battle that is there that is waging against us. We don't see principalities. We don't see spirits in those things. But we do have that working against us. So um, I think yeah, I'm really encouraged just, just to hear those. And I think, you know, again, after the, these six weeks, hey, welcome, y'all. Welcome. No, you're fine. Welcome. Um, I, I know you'll be encouraged by what we dive into. So uh, let's do one other thing, and then I'm going to kind of jump in, give you a little bit of background about myself, and we'll, we'll jump into uh, the why. But I, I have note cards on your table, and I'd like you to take, I don't know, maybe we'll say uh, two, three minutes. And on the note card, on one side, I'd like you to write out your, like, the fears. What, what, what is it that you know, I, I'm so challenged with? This is what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of... I'm afraid of ridicule. I'm afraid of, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And I want you to write out some of those fears on one side of the note card. And then on the opposite side, I also want you to write um, friends, family members, or anybody that, that you know is lost and that you, you want to share the gospel with. And I want you to write those down. Uh, take a few minutes to do that. And I think over the next six weeks, I'd ask you to, we're going to pray about those and we're going to pray for specific opportunities as we go forward to be able to practice what it is that we're learning. So we'll just take a couple, a couple minutes and I'll, I'll let you know. All right, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to, just for the sake of time, I realize that uh, some of y'all have kids and, and like I do, and we probably need to be out of here by eight, but 
Um, you continue to think on that, you know, at least you have an idea of what to write down. And, and uh, I'll be praying for you for sure over the next six weeks, but just ask that you would pray and think on those things. Because the things that you look at right now as fears um, and things that, man, I, I just couldn't do that. I, I can't open my mouth. I'm, I'm terrified. Um, you'll be amazed at the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit when the Word of God gets invested inside of your heart uh, to, to be able to do things that you looked at and you said impossible. So um, that's why we did that. But again, I'm going to share a little bit more just about me. I'm not a teacher uh, by trade. I, I actually, I, I'm in sales for an uh, instrumentation manufacturing company. Um, as I mentioned, I've been here at Emmaus for three and a half years. I have two kids. My, my son is six years old. My daughter is four. And, um, you know, my wife and I, we also serve in the kids ministry. So that's one area I guess you could say. I, I, am, I am teaching here, but um, certainly not, uh, you know, any other classes. Um, we um, we do lead an MC group. We've been doing that since, uh, I think, what was it, 2020, Brian? Do you remember? I think, I don't know. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but it, in the midst of 2020. Was it during COVID? Yeah, I think it, I think it was. Yes, yes. So we, we launched a group in the midst of COVID. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great growth for uh, our family, learning to trust in the Lord, learning to uh, get into areas that are sometimes uncomfortable, but standing and, and, and growing in that way. Um, you know, I was raised in a, in a Christian home. Uh, I had my, my dad was a, a piano player. We traveled around different denominations, but we ultimately landed in the Church of God. That's, that's really where I spent most of my upbringing. I'd say 20 years of my life was in the Church of God. Is anybody familiar with the Church of God? Come from the Church of God? Okay, so a couple. For those of you who are not, think like waving flags, um, you know, very high emphasis on worship, um, you know, I think those are some of the main things, but depending upon where you, where you went, it might have been a little crazier in uh, some. But yeah, it wasn't as focused on the Word as, um, as we are here, and that's something I'm very thankful for, is the, the focus that we have on teaching the Scriptures, going you know, line upon line, book by book. Uh, but you know, again, like anybody else, that, that had a big impact on my life, uh, you know, going up through the Church of God. I got saved when I was eight years old. Uh, I know that's pretty young, but the, you know, the gospel impacted my life at a young age. I was in, involved in the kids uh, program, and that's one thing I'm so thankful for today is to be teaching uh, our, you know, the kids here because I was impacted at a young age uh, getting to, to hear the gospel message. I remember going home and telling my mom and dad and being so excited that, oh man, you know, I, you know, I, I went down this morning and I gave my life to the Lord and you know, I even think back, I had one of the earliest experiences I had with sharing uh, about Jesus to somebody was actually on my school bus. I had a, uh, another kid that, I guess he was kind of like an outcast, um, didn't have tons of friends, but I remember that's probably the first person I actually remember talking to about Jesus. And I, I couldn't tell you everything that I said or anything along those lines, but that's just one of those moments that I look back to and remember, man, like it meant, it meant something to me. There was a change uh, in my life and a love for God and a love for Jesus. Um, there's a lot of other things that I think impacted my life to bring me uh, to where I'm at today. You know, I, I think back to my first missions trip. Uh, I got to go to Cuba and uh, I think I was about 18 years old. And this was well before it is today. I think the Obama administration opened it up so people could get in. This was well before that. 
Uh, you had to have a special visa that, that they gave out to certain churches. And I remember going. It was a spring break. Uh, you know, I, I gave that spring break trip to, to go to Cuba. And it really impacted me. I thought, here we are. We're going over as a church group. We're going to be impacting these people's lives. And instead, I think it was more of an impact for me. You know, and, and I see some heads nodding, so I'm sure some others have been on missions trips and, and seen the, the same impact. But just going and, and seeing the humility of a lot of these people, um, you know, we got to go and visit in some of their homes. Uh, they shared whatever they had, and, and they had very little. Um, you know, it, it, by the, the standard that we live here in the United States, it was much different than that. Um, but that, that impacted me, you know, going there, um, helping to maybe plant some of the churches, helping to teach in some of those churches, and just seeing how, how people lived and loved the Word, that impacted me. Um, I was fortunate enough, I got to go back to Cuba another time. I think it was about four years later. Um, I've had several you know, other opportunities. I've been to Guatemala four times and, and Israel a couple times. And each of those trips um, had a big impact. Most of those trips were missions-related. Uh, you know, I was in another church group at one point and uh, going to Guatemala. And then the trips in Israel was when I was back in college. I went on one of my spring break trips, and it was just a sightseeing trip to Israel. But it really started to bring more of a hunger for me of the Word, of some of the roots, like learning about the Jewish roots of, of Christianity. And um, that ultimately led me to another trip in 2007. I had just finished college, and I got to go and spend about a month in Israel. And uh, we were helping with an organization over there called Operation Life Shield. We were supporting uh, these, um, a non-for-profit that built these portable bomb shelters to protect uh, Israelis from, you know, some of the terrorist uh, bombings that would go over there. And that trip, I got to spend a lot of time reading the Word, worship, just sometimes going down to the, uh, what they call the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and just, you know, spending quiet reflection time, or even on the Mount of Olives, like some surreal moments. You know, you read the Scriptures and, and, and having... Having done that, it really impacted me. Um, and I'm telling you all that to get to a, to a, to a certain point, but coming back from that trip, um, I was kind of in a, a searching place in my walk with the Lord, and um, I got involved in a Bible study group and a church group that was called Olive Branch Ministries. That was a, a change for me. I ended up leaving the, the church that I had mainly grown up with and really started getting plugged in there. This was a, a small like house group type community, lots of studying the Word, and really the first time in my life, I felt like, man, this is like a, a strong group of Christians that, that love God's Word. You know, I'd ask questions, and they, you know, the pastor and the assistant pastor would answer the questions, and it just wasn't like that for me in my upbringing in the Church of God. It was more about, like, having fun and, you know, uh, youth group and that sort of thing, and, like, this was really, uh, really deep, you know, getting into God's Word, and, um, it was here where I met uh, this pastor. He, he kind of grew up with an Orthodox Jewish background, got saved later on, went to Bible college, and had a, had a really unique story. But he was very avid about, you know, uh, outreach, teaching of the Bible, getting, in, 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 in getting out on the streets, getting to the malls, and going and sharing. And I had never done that. Um, I, that, to me, was terrifying to, what do you mean, go up and talk to people about Jesus and strangers? And, like, that's not something that that I could do. Anybody else can relate to that? Like when, when oh man, you, you want me to go talk and tell people about Jesus? I know we've, you've shared some of these. Like I get tongue-tied. I get, you know, I, I start sweating. I, I forget everything. And, um, you know, I felt the same way. But I learned through many of those years that when we go and we obey, 
you know, God's Word, God's commands, and we trust in the Lord and we trust that the Holy Spirit will bring things to remembrance, He will do just that. And I have uh, so many, I've had so many opportunities, um, whether it's downtown Atlanta, in the mall, uh, riding in an Uber, whatever it is, to talk to people, uh, you know, have spiritual conversations, share the gospel with them. And so I'm really, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, this time together. But I do say all that too, you know, um, when I got into that Olive Branch Ministries, things got out of hand as the years went by. Things got a lot, uh, got very controlling, got very um, even unbiblical to the point where we had to end that church. We had to we had to step down. We had to ask the pastor to step down. A lot of sin led to a lot of problems, and it was a very hurtful, uh, tough tough time. Uh, if if any of you have gone through you know, something similar, even if it's not the same, just a, a hurt time or a hurt experience with a church where you come out of that with, man, why? Like, why, God? Why did this happen? Or what, what's, what's the purpose in this? How did I, how, how did I walk through all this? Um, that was a season that my wife and I came out of before we came to Emmaus. Uh, you know, we, uh, it, it was just, it was so unhealthy there at the end. And then for probably about six months leading up till, you know, 2018, we had been looking at different churches, and by God's grace, you know, He brought us here. And I've got to say, it has been a season of healing, uh, a season of restoration, where we've really just soaked uh, in the Word. And I can honestly say, like, I just, I feel so much closer to the Lord than, than when I look four years ago, where I was at. We, I mean, we were really at our end, um, and it is only by God's grace that I'm here. I mean, I, I look back at, at some of those challenges and could have easily you know, walked away, if not for the grace of God. So I just say all that standing up here. I don't have it all together. I do not have all of the answers um, and probably won't be able to answer all of your questions. But I am here to stand and attest to the fact that the grace of God is sufficient. And uh, all we have, all we need is the Word of God uh, and the Spirit of God. And we can go and trust Him for, for the results. So um, that, that's a little bit about me. I'd like to jump in, though, since um, we want to really dive into the why. Why should we evangelize? Why should we proclaim the gospel? And I do. I want to start first with something that, that Brian mentioned to me, um, kind of a quote that he had received from a pastor. He said this, he said, We never fall into evangelism, only out of it. And I think this is something that we could all attest to. It, you don't just by chance fall into, oh, I'm just going to randomly evangelize, I'm going to randomly share the gospel, but we do fall out of it. Whatever the excuse, we all have them. And it's very easy to get caught up with the details of life. But you're, it's going to be something where we are going to say, okay, I'm going to obey what God has asked me to do, and we have to step out in faith. So I say that. Let's get started with uh, number one. I've got ten reasons. You have a sheet there. You can follow along with me and, and, and fill in, but certainly take more notes if you like. But I want to start with number one. Why should we evangelize? Uh, Simply put, Jesus commanded us and His disciples to go. And I want to look at Matthew 28. I would like to read a good bit of Scripture tonight, so if I could have a volunteer to read for us, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Sure, go ahead. Um, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. 
and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you very much. And again, this is this this answers the why for us. This is this is uh, there's a lot more to the why, but Jesus commanded us to go. I think when we start there, you know, who is Jesus? We know that Jesus is God, you know, as confessing Christians and believers that follow after him. He is God, the very one that made the sun, the moon, the stars, the, the perfect Lamb of God has commanded His disciples to go and make disciples. And part of disciples is obviously evangelizing, is talking to people, is engaging in uh, what I think a lot of times we would say is awkward you know, conversation or, or, or an area of uncertainty. But, but we have the clear command from Him that we should go. And you know, I think, as we'll see in some of the other points, the underlying uh, reality there is that the love of God that we see in that command in knowing Jesus is what has to be pushing us to go. You know, we're not just going because we're going to get, oh, I'm going to get accolades. I'm going to get some points in heaven. You know, this is, this is part of me, me being good. No, we go because we recognize He is Lord. You know, He truly is God. He is the Son of God. And uh, so we would gladly go. You know, I think about it, I think about it in this kind of context. You know, we all have... Uh, work or we all have jobs or at some point we have and you think about the people who are in, in positions of authority uh, in leadership and when they ask us to, to do something what do we do I mean you know if your employer asks you hey to go do something you do it you obey and and how much more how much greater is it that God has commanded us and called us to go and make disciples and yet I, I, I would guarantee and I would I would raise my hand with you that most of us struggle with this very aspect of going and making disciples and, and, and really talking to people and, open, and being open with people about the gospel. And, and, am I wrong? I mean, I, I'm sure that most of us would struggle in that area uh, with, with going and sharing on a, on a weekly, daily basis uh, the gospel. So I, I think um, number two, why do we evangelize? Why do we proclaim the gospel? Number two, He first loved us. I'd like somebody to read 1 John 4, 9 through 11. Thank you. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us mm. and sent His Son to be the, be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Thank you. Thanks for reading that. And that, and that, is, that is the why. It's the love of God. You know, he mentioned a big word, propitiation. That, that just means that He was the appeasement. He appeased God's wrath. And we'll talk about that more uh, when we get into next week. But... It's, it's the love. I mean, you, you think about it. Jesus was willingly uh, reviled by the people that He made, the, the people that He created. Will, he, he was beat. He was mocked. All of these things. And I think a lot of times when we think about, you know, maybe, maybe we don't get that drastic. I know I certainly have it in my mindset. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, especially if you're getting out into a, a realm that's other than you know, maybe at work, but you're going out with, a, with the intent to share the gospel. Some of those fears sometimes can come at you. Man, people are going to get all mad at me. People might try to hurt me. People might say all kinds of things. But we've got we to keep in mind that 
the, the very God that created everything suffered, uh, suffered in our place, suffered for us. And that is the love. I think for me, that's, that's one of the motivators when we talk about the why. Why do we go out? And the main motivator is I think about Jesus on the cross. He died in my place. He died for the sins that, that I committed. And, and, and what greater motivation do I have to go than the fact that, man, He loved you know, he loved me and he loves them. You know, it's not, he didn't just do it for me, but he wants others to know of that great love. And so uh, that's, one, that's one reason where we go. Um, you know, I think back, uh, or before that, I want to jump to 1 John 2.6. Can somebody read 1 John 2.6 since we're already there? Okay, thanks. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So we're to do likewise. You know, uh, his love motivates us, but we're to do likewise. As, as Jesus went out and, and made disciples, he calls us to do the same thing. And, and John there uh, is, is telling us the same thing. Go and do likewise. Do, do what he has said to do. You know, I, I think, you know, one of the thoughts that came to me uh, when I was looking over this verse is that, you know, it can come into our minds at times and say, yeah, hey, yeah, but there's other ways to love. There's other ways to love Jesus. There's other ways to, to love people. And that's true. I mean, quite honestly, there, there's multitudes of ways that we serve and, and, that we, and that we love our neighbor. But we have to think about this. The great command to go and make disciples, uh, he's laid out and showed, and showed us by his example what that looks like. Go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You'll see everywhere Jesus went, what, what did he do? He walked into the synagogue and he taught them. He, walked, he, he sat down before a crowd and he taught them. He, he stood up on a boat and he taught them. He was always instructing and teaching people the good news about what God had done. And so we likewise will go in the same way. Um, you know, one example that kind of came to my mind was, you know, if you think in your own life, how, how has love motivated you to do something that you would have never done before? Uh, you know, I really thought about this. I was thinking back to the early days where I was dating my wife. And uh, we were having a conversation one time, and a good friend of hers lived out of state. My wife uh, at that time was in college. She was waiting tables, and she was not, you know, she wasn't making a lot of money, didn't have a lot of disposable income. And we were just chatting. That time we weren't engaged, we, you know, we weren't married. And she said, yeah, you know, I'd like to get out there to see my friend. I really, and, and I just don't have the money to do it. And, and so I just looked at her and I said, well, if you want to go, just let me know. I'll buy you a ticket. And I bring that point up because, you know, that was love that I had in my heart for her at that time, obviously prior to us being married. But I would have never done that before if, if I didn't love her. You know, I would have just been, oh, yeah, that's tough, man. It's tough. You know, it, it, things are expensive now, whatever the excuse might be. But that motivated me. And so I think in, in the same manner, the love that Christ has for us is what ought to compel us and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I might get rejected. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's really them rejecting Jesus. And I love Jesus more than I'm going to love my own life, and I'm not going to hold back. And so that is what motivates us. And it will, it will push you to do things you would have otherwise never done. So number three, why do we go? Why do we evangelize? Um, number three, the wrath of God is coming. And I know this is not a popular subject, uh, especially today, more and more. Uh, people don't want to talk about wrath, don't want to talk about hell, don't want to talk about sin. But the, this is a popular subject in the Bible. 
And I do want to kind of touch on that tonight because I think it's important that as we talk with people, we need to remember we don't have to shy away from the truths that are found in the Bible. In fact, a lot of the people that I watch that, that do things like street preaching or, or getting out there, um, they're not afraid to, to talk with people on those subjects, and we shouldn't be either. You know, that's one of the areas that I'll find that the enemy will try to get me to shut up a lot of times. Our, our key core truths, just like that, knowing that God's wrath is poured out on sin. So let's take a look at John chapter 3. And who would like to read verse 36? Got it. All right, Floyd. Verse 36, please. And anyone who believes in God's Son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's judgment. Remains under God's judgment. Some, some versions will say the wrath of God abides uh, the, the ESV, which I'm reading from, it'll say, it actually says the word wrath. But the same thing, God's judgment abides on them. Um, and you've got to keep in mind, y'all, we're in John chapter 3. I feel fairly confident and fairly certain that you have all heard uh, John 3.16. So in the, same, in the same chapter that we read it, and I'll read it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But I want to read the next two verses because so often we do hear John 3.16, but we might not hear the ones that, that couple after that. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And that's just such an important truth. I hope it's something that will help to, to relieve you is, man, being afraid of speaking what, what Christ's words have actually said. Our default nature is not good. And the very thing that you'll find when you're talking to anybody about the gospel, more often than not, people who are not saved will believe that they're good. You can ask, you could ask somebody anytime if they think they're a good person. And 99% of the time, somebody's going to tell you, oh yeah, I'm a good person. Why? Most often, they'll compare themselves to someone else who's worse. You know, I mean, we all do this. Oh, you know, I'm not as bad as Hitler. You know, those are the ones that come to mind. Or, you know, I'm not like this murderer. I'm not like this rapist over here. But no one ever compares themselves to God. No one ever compares themselves to the holy and righteous God, to His law, to His commandments. And so uh, that's why it's such an important point here that, that we're reminded that God's wrath is going to be revealed against unrighteousness. And it's, it's just. It, he's not pouring it out on people who are good because the Bible tells us that no one is good. No, not one. The only one that is good is God. So um, be reminded of that. I think it will encourage you in your walk as you're talking with people. But we are to do it in love. You know, I think we've probably all seen some examples of people that are maybe coming down on people with uh, you know, hurtful words, uh, with signs, you know, that, that have some hurtful, hurtful words where they're condemning other people. I'm not advocating that, but we don't want to shy away from the fact that we do warn people and we tell people, hey, the, the, the wrath of God is coming. Another verse um, I think is, is important is uh, Romans 5.9. I'll read this one. 
He says, uh, Paul says to the church in Rome, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. So it's in the writings. He's writing this to a group of of believers in Rome uh, and reminding them of this. So it, it is something that they were to know. It is something that they are to continue to speak to other people as well. And I think there, there are several other scriptures I actually want to focus on in this section because, again, it is so unpopular, uh, but it is necessary for us to, to know these. Uh, Luke, you know, from the Gospel of Luke, Luke 3. Would somebody like to read Luke 3, 7? And then I would ask one other person to read, uh, after that, Romans 2, 5. Who could read Luke for us? Luke 3, 7. All right, thank you. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Yeah, thank you. And then Romans 2, 5, who's got that? I got it. All right. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Thank you. And that's a key. I think there was a key point he said when God's righteous judgment will be revealed because, again, um, lest somebody try and, and trick you or deceive you, it is His righteous judgment uh, upon sin. It's not Him exacting something on, you know, on, on good people. Because often, oftentimes, if, if you are sharing with somebody, you may get that kind of pushback. You may get that kind of feedback. Well, why would God do that to good? Why would God do that to innocent people? And I think we'll get more into this in, in, in future weeks. But the real reality is, y'all. Oh, there are no innocent. None of us. None of us are innocent. We're all guilty when we stand before uh, a holy God, and that is that is key in our understanding and knowing of Jesus. Um, I'll read the last one here, as we've covered a lot of the uh, different scriptures. But uh, Revelation six sixteen. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but uh, I'll read it. He says, oh, "Actually, I'll start in 15. Then the kings of the earth." and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? So as you can see, and I know it's not a popular subject, but uh, all throughout the Scriptures, uh, and, and we were just really looking mainly at the New Testament, but the Old Testament is full of, of teaching about the wrath, and I'm sure you've heard people talk about that. Well, why is God so different in the New Testament versus the Old Testament? <laughs> He's the same. He's the same. Um, but let's move on. Number four, uh, why do we evangelize? Why do we proclaim the gospel? Uh, we have been forgiven all our sins. Um, you know, what an awesome privilege it is to know that as far as the east is from the west, he has separated us from our sins. Um, I'm gonna somebody read Colossians two thirteen for us. For you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Thank you, all your trespasses, and Romans four seven. Yeah, and that, that to me rings truer and truer as I've been, you know, studying and, and 
you know, preparing for this class, uh, it's, it's been a, a joy of mine to read through Romans, to read through and meditate on the gospel, on the truths that are found in the Word. And, and I think about that, how blessed we are to know that our sins are forgiven. And what a motivation inside of my heart, and I pray in your heart, to want others to know that same thing. You know, if you really think about it, to be forgiven so much, and then to not want to, to, to share that with other people would be almost the height of, of selfishness. To say, oh man, I've been forgiven of all this. And to not share that. But like think about anything else in life that, that we love. You know, if it was a, if it was a new product. You know, if it was, if it was a, a new toy for ourselves, you know, so to speak. If it was a, a, a new food, whatever it might be. We can't wait to share those things. We love to share those things. We want to share those things. But how much more the goodness of the gospel, the good news that can bring salvation, eternal uh, restoration with God to people. So I want to look at Psalm uh, 103. I'll read this one. Yeah, Psalm 103, uh, verse 10 and 12. I love how um, David says this. He says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. And uh, yeah, I know I just alluded to that one before, but I love Psalm 103. That, that is something that... Um, you know, meditate on and think on. Like He has removed our sins far from us. And I, I want other people to know that. I want other people to know that reality, that they don't have to bear their guilt and their shame, uh, you know, any longer. You know, many of us try to, we go through life and did those things before we knew Christ. Uh, you know, we tried to cover those things. We tried to find things to, to, to fill, uh, you know, that emptiness or try to, try to make us feel better um, for things that we had done wrong. Uh, but God's Word and, and God alone can, can do that. And then one other was, um, I'll read on that, is in, in Acts. Acts chapter 3. Acts three nineteen, And it says this, Repent therefore and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send the Christ appointed for Jesus. So again, why do we, why do we go out? Why do we proclaim? Why do we evangelize? And I know I'm using the word evangelize and it, essentially evangelism is what we're talking. It's proclaiming. It's the proclamation of the good news. It's the proclamation about what God has done, namely what He has done through His Son, Christ, Jesus. Number five. Number five, it is the power of God unto salvation. Uh, I'll try to park here for a little bit if I can. Um, Romans 1.16, um, you know, Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, if you've spent any time looking at that verse or studying it or, or heard sermons on this, you know, it, it's key to understand that 
that really covers all mankind. Because if you, if you were not uh, covenanted people, God's chosen people, the Jewish people, then you were the Greeks. You were those that were outside or you were a non-Jew. And so the, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I really, really, really want to stress that through all of these classes because it's very easy for you and I to get into works, to get into like, you know, I, I've just got to convince this person. I got to know, I got to know all the arguments. I got to know all of the answers. But you have to be, you have to keep in mind, there's no way that we're going to know all of the answers to every single person's question, to every, to, you know, to every rebuttal, to every, uh, you know, rejection. But one thing that we can know is the good news of the gospel. And I'll use an illustration. You know, I, I learned this, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure who, who it was, but I think it's the Secret Service that um, in order for them to understand when there is counterfeit money, they don't teach them to know all of the different types of counterfeit that are out, them, out there. They teach them to know the, the money that they're looking at, the $100 bill or whatever it is. They, they teach them this is the authentic this is your $20 bill. This is your $100 bill. Get to know it. Memorize it. Know all the watercolor marks. Know, you know, up in the corner. Know this dollar bill. And so when the, you know the real thing, you'll be able to identify what is not the real thing. And so in the same way, you know, I want to say that, you know, it is the power of God unto salvation. Christ alone saves people. We don't. You know, I, I, there's not a single person that I have saved. All I do is I am a mouthpiece uh, to be used by God to speak to other people so that they can hear the good news of what God has done through Jesus. And in hearing that message, people can be saved. So why do we proclaim? Why do we go out? It's for that reason. The message is that good. It is supernatural. It is outside of, of our ability. You know, there, there are people who are very persuasive. You know, I'm in sales, so I know people who are way better at sales than I am and, and that are persuasive, that have charisma, have the ability to uh, get people to do things um, and change their decisions. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about your ability or my ability to come in and, and be the most convincing, the greatest orator, uh, you know, any of those kind of things. If you are a child of God, if you're a Christian, you've been called to go and evangelize. And as I clarify that point, that doesn't mean that we're all going to go out and be out on the streets and, 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 you know, and winning the loss that way. But we have all been called to make disciples. So it is possible for all of us to do that. Not one above the other. Not me standing on the stage, oh, Evan, you have this gift of evangelism and it's just easy for you. No, Christ called all of us, go and make disciples. He didn't just say some of them. He didn't say, Floyd, you go make disciples, man. You, I'm giving you the gift of of, you know, oration. You're going you're gonna to be a great speaker. You go out and do it. No, we have all called then. And so we are all <laughs> insufficient of ourselves. But I want you to be reminded of this. Romans 1.16, it is the power of God unto salvation. We must believe it. We must trust it. You'll be tempted at times to think, yeah, you know, if I would have said it better, you know, if I would have just, if I would have, you know, if I said this one other point, um, then they might have got saved. If you go through life like that, you'll often be disappointed. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll put yourself under such a works program. So uh, it, it is important that we get the gospel right. And we're going to talk about that because there certainly is the false gospel. There certainly is uh, telling people things that uh, are not going to save them. 
But uh, when we know the gospel and we believe the gospel, we can trust that it will do uh, what it's going to do. And that is the power of God unto salvation. Um, Number, where are we at? Six? Number six. The gospel drives you to a deeper and livelier love for God's people, uh, the church. And uh, I got this, I found a quote actually in this book um, that I have, What is the Gospel? You may have noticed it, you may not have. Over here, we have uh, a whole table full of these. This is a gift to you from Emmaus. So please grab one of these. I would highly encourage it. I read this book before this class. I love it. Uh, you know, Pastor Brian recommended Actually, he gave me the copy that I have. And um, it's, it's awesome. It's short. It's concise. Uh, but it will help you uh, in understanding the gospel. It'll help you when you articulate the gospel. And it will give you a method, not all of the methods, but it'll give you a method to be able to go out and easily share the gospel with other people. So please pick that up. That's free for y'all. But the quote um, that I found uh, in this book, the writer says, I wonder if your understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus saved you, even though you didn't deserve it, is deep enough to swallow up the little criticisms you have of your brothers and sisters. I wonder if it's deep enough to sink the offenses they've committed against you, even the most painful ones, and lead you to forgive them and love them just as Jesus himself has done for both of you. I wonder if the vastness of God's love for you has increased your love for others. And so let's not, let's not try and think that the gospel is only about reaching others. The gospel should impact our lives every day. You know, in, in ways that, that I'm just laying out here, in the way that you relate to a brother or sister, you know, I loved, I loved how he, he wrote this, so I couldn't say it any better and had to quote the whole thing there. But, man, does, do we not easily look at, uh, man, you know, where, where, where we'll compare ourselves to others or where we'll look at somebody else and we'll find issue with another brother or sister? And yet the gospel, we need the gospel daily. You know, the Bible instructs us that we should preach the gospel to ourselves daily lest we forget how we came in. You know, we didn't come into the fold because... Oh man, I you know I, I really got this thing you know I I I impressed Jesus with you know with my good lifestyle. No, he wasn't impressed with with any of our lifestyles. It was his goodness, his grace that any of us can stand today and attest that I am a Christian. That's only by God's goodness towards us. So um, I want I want to look at Ephesians two nineteen because as I read that quote, um, you know this came to mind in Ephesians. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And so I, I, I want to remind you, I want to remind you that we are members one of another. We are in the family of God. And let's let the gospel impact our lives in such a way that we also look to love one another in the gospel. We're longing for ways to show grace uh, to, to one another and not just ourselves. I mean, think about it. Who, who wants grace when they've sinned? Who wants grace when, man, I, have, I, I, I did something I really knew I wasn't supposed to do time and time again, and yet God and His love for us forgives us. So in the same way, um, if we coupled that back earlier with 1 John 2, 6, we should be going and walking in the same way Jesus did. So the gospel is more than just 
us preaching to others. We got to preach to ourselves and we got to love those that, that we're in the family with first. Um, number seven, why do we proclaim uh, God has determined that the gospel will advance through the spoken words of his people? Uh, again, this I pulled from the same book, What is the Gospel? And, um, you know, if anyone is to be saved from their sins, it will be because someone speaks the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And, you know, where do we find that? You know, I, I'm not just coming up with that on my own, but Romans 10 tells us this, this great truth. Somebody read that for us. Romans 10, uh, 14 and 15. Yeah, 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Oh, thank you, man. Um, and that comes, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul gets that from Isaiah, uh, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 52. That's where... We know that's from, and that's what he's quoting from. But again, uh, the gospel message for it to go out. You know, I've heard stories, and I'm sure many of you have, and, and we've probably all said things like, hey, well, God can, you know, God, God can appear to somebody in a dream, and they can get saved. You know, we'll just, we'll just pray that God will, God will give them dreams, and, and they'll get saved. Well, He could give them dreams, but you've got to keep in mind that God gave us His Word, so we know specifically how he wants to go about doing things. And specifically, he laid out for us that we are to go and we are to proclaim this message audibly. And you know, I know that there's going to be people where you know, they might not be able to hear and things like that. But we are to go and we are to be vocal uh, about the gospel and not to look to, to dreams or, or to visions to be the primary method. The primary method that Jesus gave us is that we go and we tell people uh, and we speak of the gospel. Uh, number eight, we're getting closer uh, to the end here. I would like to leave some time at the end if there's any like q and I-, I hope to do that each night. But um, let's jump into number eight. Why do we proclaim the gospel? This is a big one that, that hits home with me a lot. Billions are lost. And I'll just stop there. I hope that, that sinks in. It is estimated that 3.2 billion people on this planet are unreached with the gospel. There are 7.9 billion people on this planet and 40% of the people on earth have not or may not hear the gospel if Christians do not go and bring that message to them. This brings anguish to my heart. Uh, There are so many times that I find myself uh, in prayer asking God to send uh, more laborers, and, and praying for the lost. You know, I, I got this information from an organization called Radical.net. Uh, there's a pastor that I love there, uh, David Platt. He pastors a church in Virginia, uh, has an awesome heart for the missions and, um, and, and for, the, for the nations. But to me, this is staggering, y'all. It's like, you think about the United States. I don't know where we're at. We're probably 350 to 400 million uh, people in this country. But you've got to think about 3.2 billion. You're talking about 10 times population of the United States of America that are presumably unreached. Unreached. 
And what that means is you're talking about people that could live a life, be born, live their life, and die, and never hear the good news about Jesus. If, 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 if that doesn't motivate us, the, the love for other people, think about the saturation that we have on the airwaves, the Facebook, the Internet, the, the churches that we pass by, the signs that we see, all in God's goodness and His grace. We have been saturated with the good news of the gospel. And this is a motivator. Uh, this is a motivator for me. I'm not saying that, hey, everybody in here has got to go out there and, and reach the nations. But we should be captivated by the lost souls around us and in knowing that y'all billions of people, billions of people are lost. Uh, it's, not, it's not a small number. It's a, it's a high number. And, um, you know, I think, about, I think about certain scriptures where, you know, Jesus tells us about that. You know, Luke 10 comes to mind, the, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are, are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. And that's where we can also enter into this evangelism is that it really starts in our, in our hearts and in our homes, on our knees before the Lord, uh, praying. You know, uh, I think about, you know, in my own personal life, I have neighbors uh, that I so desperately want to know the Lord uh, and, and, and trying to build some relationships and friendships with them but ones that you clearly know. You know, I know they're lost. I know they don't know Jesus. And pray and pray and entrusting in the Lord because He's the one that saves and praying for an opportunity that I might have to share with them, praying for an opportunity that I can share the good news of the gospel with them. And so I, I would say that to you as I bring up this, this point about billions being lost. Let that be a motivator uh, to begin to pray more for the lost. If we're ever going to see souls won for Christ, it's going to be uh, through prayer and through trusting in, in Jesus to do what only He can do. And then, and then making ourselves available and saying, Okay, Lord, here I am. Send, you know, send me and uh, help me. Help me to overcome the fear of that rejection, the fear of man. Because one day, y'all, one day um, that fear will be removed. One day we'll be before our King. We'll be before our Lord. And we'll realize, man... It was worth it. It was so worth it to, to, to go and to, and to, and to share uh, the good news of the gospel with others. I have, you know, I have more information. I can try to share resources with you if, if you want to know more. Um, things like joshuaproject.net and others when, when it talks about learning more about some of these unreached people groups. And how, you know, how do they get those numbers? You know, is that really reliable and that sort of thing? Um, let me know and, and I can help you dig into some of that. Um, but the last two here, let's get to number nine. Why do we proclaim the gospel? Why do we share it? Our time is short. Our time is short. Psalm 90. Yeah. Any volunteers? Psalm uh, 90, verses 9 through 12. Thank you. Um, all our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of Amen. Thank you for that. Um, I love that because 
teach us to number our days. If we really, if we could do that, you know, if we, if we had the ability to, to know, okay, my, this is how long I'm going to live, wouldn't you live different? If you knew that today was your last day, you know, don't you think you would live differently? I, you know, I, I certainly know that um, I would, and yet there's distractions. And as I mentioned at the very beginning, there, there are so many distractions, y'all. We, we are certainly in, in a battle that, that we don't see. And the more and more that we can bring ourselves to come before God's Word, to submit to His Word, uh, to meditate on His Word, uh, the more and more uh, we get a passion for Him. We get a passion for the lost because without, a, without knowing the love of Jesus, without a passion for His Word, uh, you'll never have a passion for the lost. I mean, you, you, just, you won't see people as important uh, if, you, if you haven't first experienced and seen the love of Jesus as it, as it you know, multiplies inside of your heart. But, um, you know, I'm reminded of this. I'm 38. Uh, I, like I said, I got two kids. I'm reminded of this every day at how short life is. It's just like, you know, you think about all the things you do. You get together with family or you get together with friends. What, what do people most often say? Man, like, yeah, your kids, man, they've grown up. Like, they're, they're so big now. And, you know, it's just like these kind of conversations we have all the time. But time is fleeting. You know, I think about James. James, you know, he talks about we're like a, a mist. You know, it, we're here for a, for a, a season. You know, the Bible, uh, it points out we're like a blade of grass that, that's here for a moment and it's blown with the wind. And yet, uh, our time is short. So let us live with, with the goal, with the desire to make much of Jesus. You know, I, as I mentioned David Platt a few minutes ago, I, I get involved with one of the things he does on a, on a yearly basis called Secret Church where, you know, he, it's, it's kind of like an intense Bible study for like six or seven hours going through, and it's usually on one specific topic. He's, he's talked about um, this year it was on gender and our, and our identity in Christ and, and really focusing on that. But just the, the love, the love of God's Word, being, being um, you know, really, really being honed in to, to God's Word, I think, is where we, where we find that, that love and that joy for other people and, and can escape from those distractions because they're going to be there. We're going to have those distractions, but it's really just realizing, man, our time here is short. And as it says in the scriptures, let's redeem the time for the days are evil. Let's redeem the time. Let's, let's, let's make sure that, man, if I'm going to live, if I've been redeemed, if Jesus bought me with his blood, the Bible says, you know, that, that we are not our, ourselves. We were bought with a price and it was the precious blood of Jesus. We've been bought with that. Let, let us now endeavor to do His will and, and to deny you know, ourselves uh, what, you know, what earthly pleasures we might seek. Um, and finally, number 10, um, it's of utmost importance, our King is worthy. Why do we go? Jesus, He is worthy to be worshipped by every man, woman, child, tribe in this whole earth. You know, you think about the things that we place worth on. Um, you know, I like sports. Uh, I'm sure that many of you like sports. But you think about it, like, we, we, we put such a high emphasis, especially in the United States, on athletes, on celebrities, on, on, on some of the things that they can do. We ooh and awe, like, you know, I love football, and you know, you, you, you look at that. Oh man, how, that, that catch that that guy made! How how in the world? Did he, and we find we, we find these things that we'll, we'll set our affections on. But how much greater 
is it, how much greater you know, and, and more worthy is Jesus that we set our affections on Jesus. Uh, I do want to read to you from Revelation 5. And I'll read this just before we wrap up. Because ultimately, this is what it, this is all about. Revelation chapter 5, uh, verse 9 and 10. It says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. I'm going to read a little bit further down because... uh, It says, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And it goes on to talk about the Lamb. We know this is talking about the Lamb. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our affections. Um... And I want, you to, I want you to think upon that, you know, as we, as we get ourselves prepared to, to come back next week and, and to really talk about what is the gospel, you know, what, what is the, the good news that, that we have to, to share about. I want you to think about the why. I want you to think about why it is that we do that, um, because it is certainly important that we share the gospel, but it's also of extreme importance that we, that we know the gospel ourselves, that, that we've been impacted with the truths of it, that we are, uh, that we have the love of God that's motivating us, and it's not something else. It's not trying to maybe get to God. You know, it's not trying to, it's not trying to get His um, approval. Um, but anyway, that, that's, I, I think for the, for the most of it tonight, that's what, really what I want to focus on. You know, we've covered the why. We'll get into the what next week. Um, there's a lot of content next week. I hope, I hope we can get through uh, all of it. But I do want to leave you with maybe a homework assignment. Uh, you don't have to do it, but I would love for you to do it. I think it would be for your benefit. Read Romans 1 through 3. Um, just read it through this week. Uh, think on it and meditate on it. Um, you know, the, the book of Romans is just, uh, I mean, shoot, if you want to read the whole thing, read the whole thing. But it is just so packed with uh, good theological truth. Um, the laying out of the gospel. He opens it up in, in verse 1 uh, and, and the first chapter really kind of talking about the gospel and, and you get a good, good backdrop for that. But if you'll read that, um, and I'd ask you to do this, write down in one page or paragraph how you would explain the gospel to someone. Again, this will be for your good. And as we get ready to come back next week, um, we'll see. okay, what, what, do I, what do I believe the gospel is? How would I articulate it? Because sometimes the challenge that we have is we're not well-versed in, in sharing it. You know, we've heard, we've heard lots of messages, we've heard lots of things, but we're not, I've never done this before, I've never, I've never shared it with somebody. So write down how you think it would be. If it's more than a page, by all means. You want to write a couple pages. But how would you explain the gospel to somebody? And next week, we'll jump more into... Um, the details of that. But well thank you all. Y'all are dismissed. We will see you next week. Thanks, y'all.